It's snowing this late in the year. <laughs> reference to the second movie. Reference to the second movie. Yeah, I'm glad they fucking pointed that out. It doesn't fucking snow in Portland. Except, oh. <laughs> except right now where they have a, almost a foot of snow. <laughs> I love how we were just talking shit. Like, it doesn't fucking do that. And then they get like a legit foot of snow. <laughs> Uh, what it, was a jinx. Li- it was literally right after we said that, too. Yeah, what a jinx. Yep. Well, hello, and welcome to Bro Mancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? watch rom-coms and then record our thoughts and place them on the internet for the tens of tens of listeners listening pleasure and max how are you doing on this snowy saturday in chicago i am good i got i'm i'm enjoying our palentine's day Palatine's Day, yeah. We decided not to actually watch this on Valentine's Day, but we watched it the day before, and it's midday. So we're we're having much like there's Galentine's Day for that was set up in Parks and Rec. We have Palatine's Day. Damn right. Damn so, right. Yeah. We watched a high school rom com. I ordered some yep. some breakfast, which was what was the the fancy dessert I got was really fucking cool. I forgot to tell you about it. It was um it was like red velvet French toast. That's what it was. Ooh, it was red nice. velvet French toast and it came with like strawberries and syrup and stuff and like powdered sugar that you could like put on top of it and like so I I got creative. I found like a a nice plate. I I served it up and I drizzled the syrup over it and put a little bit of powdered sugar on it. I was like, yes, this is how a 33 year old man celebrates (laughs) Valentine's Day. Well, speaking of breakfast desserts, we watched the final installment of the, to all the boys series to all the boys always and forever. Laura G. And so this is the third movie. It just came out. Wait, 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 wait. What the hell does it have to do with breakfast desserts? Well, the pancakes are what's used by Peter when oh. he asks her to prom. Oh, They're always oh, eating oh. pancakes at the diner. Gotcha. And then also just desserts in general, but especially breakfast desserts. Breakfast desserts are dope. <laughs> yes. So the third and final installment of the series uh, Max, you and I were very excited for this movie. Um, and yes, you know, what, what would you say about just, or would you say you're fatigued or would you say you're still, still got a pep in your step for this series? No, I, I say it, if they don't make a fourth installment, I'll be happy. Like, I feel like I, I feel comfortably content with it. I feel like they wrapped it up. It was good. I'm satisfied. And you never felt like you were here for too long. No, although I, I was thinking that, that this movie seemed, I don't know if it was just too familiar after two other movies that we just watched. 
or mm-hmm. or if it really was the case, but it seemed a little I don't know, more boring compared to the first two. Like yeah. not, not as like, I don't know, capturing, I guess. Yeah. I I yeah, we'll we'll talk about that here shortly. Um first let's briefly go into the stats of this film. Um it's obviously a recent one, so there uh so it won't be a tremendous amount. But to all the boys, always and forever, um, is a twenty twenty one American teen romantic comedy film directed by Michael Fimognari. Fimognari? Fimognari. I think uh, the G is Lana... silent, but I don't know how to pronounce it <laughs> otherwise. And starring Lana Condor and Noah Centineo. The film is based on Jenny Han's twenty seventeen novel Always and Forever, Laura Jean. And is a sequel to to all the boys. P.S. I still love you, uh, and the third and final installment of the "To All the Boys I've Loved Before" film trilogy was released on February twelfth, twenty twenty one, by Netflix. Um, and thank God for Netflix, Jesus. <laughs> the running time is listed at a, as one hundred and fifteen minutes, but that also includes eleven minutes as far as the from the end of the the last line of the film and when the credits end. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and that includes like the three and a half minute music video where they show all the highlights from all three films while the credits are rolling and then the actual credits rolling. So um, <laughs> a lot of time spent on those huh. credits. They let them roll slow. Um, Why? So really, it's like an hour and 40. Okay. That's. Yeah, that seems and a little more still- like it. And it still felt like it was 20 minutes too long. So yeah. That probably goes to tell you how much they had left to write about. Exactly. That's what it really felt like. It was like, do we do we really need this movie? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they found enough. Yeah. They found enough to make it, you know, there's a, there are a lot of trilogies that end a lot worse. Oh, absolutely! Um, so, yeah, I, it, it was not yeah. a it was not a like complete flop by any means. Yeah, there are currently thirty eight reviews on Rotten Tomatoes for this film. Okay, already. What yeah. is the Rotten Tomatoes score currently? Wait, it's been like it's literally been like twenty four hours, and there's thirty eight reviews. That's good. Cool. Uh, reviewers get advanced screeners of films. Oh, good point. Well, aren't you fucking special? Um, 67%. 74%. Ooh, just under fresh, huh? Or is fresh well, 70%? It's fresh is 70 and they haven't certified it fresh because it's still only 38 reviews. They're going to let it be for a little while before they yes. certify it fresh. Uh, the critics' consensus so far... Uh, diminishing returns have set in for this trilogy, but to all the boys, always and forever has just enough of the original's effervescent charm to serve as a worthy conclusion. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. that's it right uh, there. And uh, Shubara Gupta of the Indian Express wrote. Uh, despite some flat patches and the predictable arcs, we stay invested in LJ and Peter because there's real sweetness to them. Also true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Karen Hahn of Slate gave it a, a poor review. 
saying it's a fitting end to the series, not just as a closing chapter to its protagonist's high school lives as they move on to college, but also as an admission that the franchise has run out of things to say. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's... But the thing is, they're not hor- They're not tremendously wrong. No, there, no, no. This, I mean, none of these are wrong. They're all yeah. kind of hitting on the same thing, just in different, you know, variations and different levels. And then the final review I'll read, Nicole Clark of the San Francisco Chronicle gave it three out of four out of the San Francisco Chronicle. Interesting. Bay mm. Area, you mm. know, Stanford, mm. all that. Fucking Stanford. Uh, she wrote... This film is heavier than its predecessors. Falling in love is more fun to watch than trying to stay in love. And growing up can be tough. Wow. That's thank you for reading a review about the more realistic elements of the movie. (laughs) Exactly. Which we will also get into on this film. Yeah. Um, I mean, we don't really have to get into the characters because the same characters as the second film, except no John Ambrose. Uh, Appreciate all the work you did. In the last film, but we only needed you for one. Yep. And, and also, now no R.I.P. to Greg from the first film. Greg. <laughs> Greg's been replaced by Trevor. Uh, Greg. Oh, was, yeah. <laughs> Greg was played by King Botch, a.k.a. Andrew Bachelor, uh, who was who's a Vine star. Uh, he was the most followed Vine act when Vine was popular. Uh, and he was the friend in the first film. Um, nonetheless, I just like pointing that out because I, re- I follow him on TikTok. I think you pointed that out last <laughs> episode too. I did indeed. Um, anyway. So, uh, <laughs> I think the first thing we need to focus on here is the love story that was overall for the amount of time it took on the film and the amount of good vibes it provided was probably my favorite love story on the film. And that was Dr. Covey and Miss Rothschild. Yeah, they're solid. And she kept her last name, which I dig. I feel like as a second, Definitely. second marriage and a grown ass adults, you go ahead and keep your last name. We don't need to fucking deal with all that paperwork. You're good. You know, I never really liked that concept anyway. I yeah, I grew up thinking it was sexist, but now I've realized that oh, like some people actually like to do it because it's it means something to them, you know. Mm-hmm. But but I don't know, something in the back of my head always has never liked the idea. It's like, but that's not your name. Like that's not your name. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Like I I flip it on me. And I'm like, okay, if I got into a marriage, would I really want to change something that I've had as part of my identity for all my life? You know, I don't know. It's weird. I agree. I agree. I, I personally don't, I just, it's up to, up to my girl, however she wants to roll. If she wants to turn her last name into Sanchez, I'll, you know, do it. If you want to put a hyphen, do it. If you want to just leave it as is and keep your last name, totally fucking cool. Nah, fuck that shit, man. We're gonna be our own new couple and our own new thing. Let's make a let's make our own fucking last name. Let's just <laughs> let's just get rid of both our last names. Let's make something new. Let's make something up. <laughs> <laughs> just mix them together. 
make a mishmash. A portmanteau of your last names. Oh, God. There you go. Uh, but, uh, and also, let's start with the ending at the beginning here. How beautiful was that wedding? Like that wedding was. Perfect. Oh, that was a that was an awesome wedding. That is that is probably my dream wedding. I just I want a tent on a beautiful day where we're all just partying and dancing and everything else. And then I used to want it out in a field. Like just out kind of like where you're like you have to walk out into a kind of a field a little bit to get to it. Yeah. But like you're still close to like cabins and like places to stay. Yeah. Yeah. So like that was kind of the idea. But like watching this and seeing this be done, it's like, oh, all I need is for a friend to somehow have enough credit and money to have to own a house with a backyard, <laughs> have that backyard be large enough to hold a very large tent and then find someone to ha- want to marry me at my friend's backyard where we will place a tent God, and the- have that all work out. And then we're good. <laughs> like we're good. Golden. So, you know, I've got, I'm getting wedding ideas from this <laughs> film. Oh <here. laughs> uh, God. Yeah. Who, who would have thought finding the actual person to marry would be easier for our generation than actually being able to pay for any of the wedding. Oh yeah. A million percent. And that's, and that's coming from two single guys. So like, it's, I, know. I still have more uh, confidence in being able to find someone than I would be able to pay for shit like that. Hell, I got more confident, especially now after this panorama that we're living in. <laughs> um, that, <laughs> You know, it's just, I feel like the, the, uh, oh, God damn, what's the fucking word? Uh, the, you got caught up in the panorama, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> the, expect- the expectations have been lowered. Yeah. Standards. Yeah. yeah the, standards, the standards. Yeah. Ha- the standards have been lowered. Yeah. So, like, after being lonely, it's just like, I, I feel like, women would be willing to deal with even more shit than they already deal with when it comes to settling for a guy. <laughs> cause like, cause like it, it, cause all marriages are basically settling. You're settling for someone who's 75% there, you know, like you deal with the 25 to have the 75. And that's just what a relationship is. And so I feel like it's sneaking more toward like 60, 40 after this panorama. Um, and so now it's just like, yeah, he, he misses the toilet when he pees sometimes. And, you know, he sometimes leaves hair in the sink when, after he shaves, but at the same time, he also, you know, can fix the furnace if it ever goes out. So, I think I'll go ahead and just stick with him. <laughs> I'll clean the bathroom and he fixes shit. That's it. We're good. Um, yeah, that's bleak as fuck, dude. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I don't know that I, I agree with that. Um, I, I would say that healthy marriages are not like that. <laughs> I mean, and healthy relationships for that matter, which, um, you don't know that at all. 
Considering we haven't had the best role models in the past. Exactly. It's harder exactly. for us to know, but yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot better out there. Trust me. I mean it's just you know, I I mean I'm half joking about these like standards thing. I'm just I just feel like people are going to be open more. Well, I, I totally right. think you're right about the standards thing. I think everyone's standards have been lowered because of all this, just because it, it reminded us what is really fucking important in life. And like, and, and, you know, the question that needs to be answered, which is what is love? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, now, I, now my standards are lowered to, um, do you have COVID? <laughs> and and, then, and did you then, vote for Trump in either election? Well, I mean, and that's forgot, it. Then we're done. That's you it. Forgot the follow up question to Do you have COVID? Uh, do you want COVID? <laughs> <laughs> Are you because, willing to obtain it? <laughs> because making out with me is going to get you COVID. Now, um, <laughs> fuck that if anything it's like all right i'm gonna lice you out down before you step into my apartment i'm gonna have you step through two of those like plastic sheets and it's gonna douse you with lysol and and then you're gonna step into my quarantine <laughs> so that's foreplay right there right yeah, that's pandemic for foreplay right there. yeah that like if you put that in a text that is immediately a sext girl i got girl i got a 64 pack of lysol wipes waiting for you i'm gonna wipe every inch of you down there ain't gonna be a fucking spot in this apartment that won't be disinfected after you've been on it oh my god you're so fucking right Girl, 99.9% of bacteria already been dead on site. <laughs> and you know you've hit the level of commitment when you hear the words, Girl, God, I want to take your mask off. <laughs> <coughs> we got to stop. Um, we got to look up this delivery truck schedule. And stop recording. <laughs> no, I don't think it's a delivery truck. And I don't think it's like a garbage. I just feel like there's like some sort of service truck that like, like the person who drives that service truck like lives across the street. And they're just doing whatever the fuck. I don't know. It might be a tow truck too. Oh, that's also possible. In Chicago, yeah. especially. It adds character to the podcast, Max, all right? <laughs> well, yeah, it gives us commentary. <laughs> yeah. You know, and speaking of, like, being in a big city, falling in love with the city is another thing that they talk about in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I, uh, I've had both experiences that Laura Jean and Peter had when looking at the next step after high school. I did, too. Yeah. Because when I visited the University of Oregon, when it came to going to college, I was like, I just shuffled my feet because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I knew my initial thought was I wanted to be a sports broadcaster, but I didn't really like I wasn't proactive about going to college or like finding the best sports broadcasting school or anything else like that. 
And so I just shuffled my feet and then I just applied to the University of Oregon. I knew I was going to get in because of my grades. Um, and so the, that was it. But I wasn't like sold on college or just going somewhere or anything else until my mom and I took a, a campus visit spring of 2006. So my senior year of high school. That'll do it. And I remember first visiting and like there was it was like a campus visit slash tour like a, and it was like a overnight thing so we even slept in bean east for the night oh and yeah then, dude i did that yeah, too yeah. yeah 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 and so you know i got to know bean east and accept it for what it was <laughs> because that's where i ended up that living where we live yep where we live the beast uh and then you know but at the same time walking along the campus and going to Lillis for like a little like talk and, you know, going to all these different buildings and walking through that campus and everything. It was just like the way Peter explained Stanford at the beginning of the film. And it was like, Oh, where you just immediately get that vibe of like, this is where I was supposed to be. Like, this is, Mm -hmm. I just knew like, I want to be there and go to school here. And I did, you know, and then I fast forward to, visiting my buddy Max Lyon on St. Patty's weekend in Chicago. And it's my first time visiting Chicago. That dude sounds and, cool. <laughs> and after getting drunk on St. Patty's Saturday, <laughs> um, then, then, you know, the next day being hung over and going on a drive with Max and our buddy Sean. Uh, and, and then... <laughs> Stopping at Shed Shed Aquarium and staying in the car, but looking at the south view of the skyline from the lake. Yeah. And it's a sunny day. It's 32 yeah. degrees, but it's sunny. And it, and it was just like at that moment where you get that nip from the lake where you're like, oh, this is what Chicago cold is kind of like. Mm-hmm. But you got the skyline. You got this. And it's just like it just felt very Chicago in that moment. And I was just like, oh. I would love, I just, I need to live here at some point. And That's then I ended up making a live here down the line. And it's just like, I know both feelings of like a college campus just needing to be there and also of a city just like winning you over. Yeah. And it's just like, I got where both of them were coming from and why that's such a hard disconnect to, to, you know, fit together when, especially at that age, like, to have it at that early in life and then have to juxtapose it with being in love and young. It's that's a very combust combustible element that they take advantage of. In the Absolutely. Well. I mean, that's a, that's a big transition as it is just getting through high school and going into the yes. quote unquote larger world beyond mm-hmm. the classmates that you've grown up with for so many years, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but yeah, then adding that other shit on top of it, the mm-hmm. the tug of the relationship, the tug of being close to your family. I mean, that's, I honestly, like, even for someone who actively wanted to get out, wanted to go out and conquer the world after high school, I still don't understand how people went farther away from home than I did. Because I remember freshman yeah. year still being a fucking shit show of an emotional roller coaster. 
and I was only 45 minutes away from home. <laughs> yeah, you were closer to home than I was. Yeah. So. And, and I was two hours. <clears throat> I, yeah, I was. No, I was an hour away. An hour and 15. Yeah. Yeah, hour and 15, which is where my high school girlfriend lived. She was going to Western Oregon. Uh, so she was about an hour and 20 away from Eugene. Yeah, and, and like, and then West Salem's like another 15 minutes from there. So like an hour 30. Yeah. Hour 35. And yeah, I felt the same way, except uh, when I moved to Chicago, I moved out here for grad school. So, and, but that was weird because I moved out, or when I first saw Chicago, I was on my way to move into an apartment in Columbus. So I stopped in Chicago as my last stop before, because I was driving across from Oregon. And I stop in Chicago and my first experience was driving up and seeing the Sears Tower and being like 10 miles outside the city and seeing the Sears Tower peak up above the horizon and realizing that that was the tallest building in the fucking country. And I could see it and I wasn't even anywhere near to the city center yet. Blew me the fuck away. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God, this what great wonders the world is full of that I have not seen yet. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, Chicago, definitely, that was, I spent a whole year at Ohio State going, why am I not in Chicago? I want to go to there. Yeah. Sweet home, Chicago. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> this, this movie did deal with some emotional stuff, which I was happy about. Like, it. For what it lacked in like the cutesy comedic storyline that we had in the first two movies that they've touched on in the reviews, I like that they also mm -hmm. mixed in some external emotional struggles. Yeah, it was about time that they dealt with Peter's dad. Yeah, definitely. And I know for you and I, that was very close to hell. Fuck, man. I... That was extremely close to home for me because yeah. that's pretty much how I felt um, yeah. to the team. And my dad now has his, you know, new wife and two new kids currently. And I, I, his number is blocked in my phone. So like, that's just where our relationship is. Of course, I made this decision by the time I was like in my late twenties. So not quite as early as Peter made it. Um, I mean, my dad attended my college graduation and I still had a relationship with him as I was living in Oregon. It, but basically once I had some space here in Chicago, that's when I realized, Oh, why do I still talk to him? <laughs> yeah. So I wish I'd realized that when I moved out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at, at the same time, just that resentment and, you know, wanting to hold the guilt over a, a dad is, that's it's a strong feeling that you want to hold on to. Like I can tell, you know, Peter doesn't want to let go of that anger and let go of it. Cause it's just like, cause there's just this whole idea of fair and just that you want to hold on to. Like, you know, the idea of parents is that they're supposed to be there for you. But when you really think about it, that's, it's just, it's something that's assumed within human nature, but you're still 
expecting two humans to put themselves second to you and your needs because that's the cultural and societal norm. But at the same time, you're asking that of humans. Right. And so when someone chooses not to do that, you just like human nature is to be so absolutely like you, you reneged on your commitment and that should be punishable by something, you know, there should be some sort of punishment. And, and when he sees his dad has a new wife and a new family who are enjoying happiness, he doesn't see a punishment for his dad. So he's the one who's going to be the punisher by continuing to hurt him whenever he tries to make an attempt to connect. And that's kind of what the role of the son is in this like, you know, son, dad thing. And that's what most sons who have this kind of frayed relationship with dads do. They try to take the role of the punisher in the situation. Yep. And, you know, and then he has to, his dad basically has to lay it out. Like I, I fucked up. I want to not fuck up because I love, I do love you. And I learned a lo- way too late in life that when you love something, you keep fighting for it. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice to hear? Yeah. I mean, but th- it's, it also, that this is all uh, the caveat here is to not have a father who's a bipolar sociopath. Like, <laughs> So that's the, you know, an undiagnosed bipolar sociopath is, is just not going to quite fit the same, you know, but nonetheless. Well, you bring up a good point about the, like the fact that it is humans. So there's going to be flaws. There's going to be holes in the system and it's not always going to work out the way it should because yeah theoretically like parents should always be 100% around for their young until the young don't need the parents anymore right like mm-hmm. theoretically that's biology how biologically how shit's supposed to happen yeah so like and and then psychologically you take that a step further and you think all right so like these two these two humans are who this young mind is relying upon for existence. But from this young mind's perspective, those two humans aren't humans at all. They're gods. They're the first things that this entity has ever relied upon. And they've always been there. So for like Mm -hmm. one of the parents to like all of a sudden not be there, that's like life's first massive kicking the fucking ass (laughs) it's the first Mm -hmm. time as a as a as an individual that you realize the inconsistencies and the um the non-guarantees of life but if you fucking experience that too young it fucking hurts (laughs) yeah a million percent yes so i mean but the you know the the dad drama leads to a tremendous scene there toward the end at the diner. Um, yeah, like Noah Centineo, you know the the country, you know the whole world's boyfriend. Oh my god! Uh, 
He's so dreamy. God, but he also, him. he did a pretty good job of, you know, laying out his anger when it came to laying out his anger with his dad. Not going overboard into, like, you know, messy crying serial killer, but, like, but the proper amount of anger. Just like, nah, fuck off and fuck you, dude. Yeah. yeah. It was, like, logical, then, justified anger. Yeah. But then he, you know, but then he also saw it. He He saw the effort and was like, look, all right. I'll let you make an effort here. Do we know exactly what happened with his dad? Did we ever learn like exactly what happened, how he left? I mean, they just, they just say he left in the first movie. And okay. So we don't that. really know. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm just imagining um, like going, going back to the idea that, yeah, these are humans. These are people, these are individuals that are also looking out for their own, wants and needs too mm-hmm. i'm thinking like it's not necessarily that he left that hurt it's the it's the classic cliche of oh it's the way you said it it's it's the way he left you know it's like if yeah. if shit was changing and it was that time for you and mom to get a divorce kind of thing then fucking like mm-hmm. pander to me walk me the fuck through it you know? Yeah. But if you leave in like this, uh, you know, this catastrophic way where you essentially ditch the family or go start a new one somewhere else, like, yeah, that's going to lead to a lot of insecurities in the kid. And so it was nice to see that once the father showed a little bit of like humanity and like, look, I'm a human. And I messed up. I admit my mistake and I want to correct it. It's nice to see that he was rewarded for that too by, you know, Noah Centineo being the fucking awesome dude that he is. <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, I, I, this is completely unrelated. So I, can't think of a segue but <laughs> you don't need going to. back yeah going back to the the city thing and kind of going to the opposite end like laura jean you know she oh so here's the segue so you know with <laughs> the the dad and uh peter trying to reconnect you know laura jean gets a way to kind of reconnect with her mom a little bit by finding the lock in soul oh yeah um at the beginning of the movie, they go to Seoul and that kind of begins her wanderlust of, you know, the outside world. And then it, um, and, you know, they find the lock that the mom put there and everything else. But then with that wanderlust, they go on their senior trip to New York and then it, it spounds into the whole, I need to be in New York sort of thing. Right. And there's a part of me that wants to make fun of that whole thing. Just like, Oh, look at the, look at the little, <laughs> you know, attractive 17 year old girl who has the perfect New York day and a half and decides she has to live there. And <laughs> like, and you know, she didn't end up in the, in the rough part of New York 
you know, or right. see a dude see a dude pissing on the sidewalk like it's nothing, <laughs> or jacking off the, on the all, train, or yeah, or jacking <laughs> off the train and all the fucking trash rolling beside her, or the or the rats holding pizza slices <laughs> nearby, you know, like she didn't see any of that, like fucking Cinderella in her goddamn slippers, like going to a rooftop party. And then carrying a couch with five other girls just, you know, because girls just want to have fun on a Friday night where it's so warm. You're wearing T-shirts and dresses and like it's nothing, you know, and it's just like I want to make fun of all of that. But I'll be damned if that trip that I talked about here in Chicago wasn't kind of the same. Yeah. Thing <laughs> like, it was pretty much the same thing. We were like, I can't talk shit about that because I know that. Like, I live that. Like, well, you kind of that, that just goes to show you kind of have to. It's a powerful intoxicant when you have a really great weekend in a big city. It's just <laughs> it, it, like there's nothing like it. Man. It's amazing. Yeah, and so you know, it's just, uh. And so I just thought that was funny. Just like, it's just like, this is worthy of criticism, but I can't provide that criticism. I know. Cause I, I've done that. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think any of us could like, I mean, yeah, that's, that's totally, totally what it's, it's supposed to be about. I think like, yeah. I think we're all supposed to get the fuck out and go experience something like that. And then be like, Oh my God. Let's do it. And then eight years later, you look back and go, God, I was a simple bitch. Jesus. God, how basic was I? I was at a fucking rooftop party where some random band played three original songs. And one of them I thought was the song with my boyfriend at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like that just reeks of like, oh, what was I thinking at that time? Yup. But for now... It's all gravy. <laughs> <laughs> I was having those very similar, like, discomfort feelings. <laughs> I don't even know what they're called, discomfort feelings. Um, <laughs> like, I was tensing up when she's like, but that was our song. Like, the, this is... I know, it's just... And I was just all like, the oh, little drama. I've, I've, I remember this feeling. Oh, God. It's so awkward. Never forget... Laura Jean loves the mess. All right. Mm-hmm. And I just realized now I forgot to live tweet this film. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. It's okay. It's all right. I honestly, like, we're we're giving you the highlights here, but the highlights all kind of happen after she doesn't get into Stanford. But yeah. the whole Stanford part is the first half of the movie. Oh my god. And, and it's just like I couldn't care less. Like Yeah. Especially because they kind of gave it away in the trailer she doesn't get into Stanford. And then they elongate it with the whole miss or with the whole text going to the wrong person thing. And so uh... you're just the first half hour to thirty five minutes of the movie, there's no stakes because you already know she didn't get into Stanford. So you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Or what's Peter's reaction going to be? Right. And then they kind of kick the can down the road with the whole, he can transfer it a year. And it's just like, okay, so then we got to wait another half hour after she like falls in love with New York before she finally comes into the realization that she wants to go to NYU. And then they have that conversation. And then they kick the can down the road because he decides, because Peter decides, uh, we're good, we're good, you know, but he doesn't 
really lash out and let his feelings be known at that diner. And then when does he lash out? When they're about to fuck at her prom. <laughs> it's just like So instead of oh. getting laid for your first time by your girlfriend well, who you're in love with. His first time with, with her, not his first time with her, not necessarily his first Oh time. right, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. But still but still, like you've been with this girl for how long now and you still haven't had sex. You're wanting it. Like Yes. And then somehow spin that into not just not having sex, but but deciding to break. You're up. just gonna end it. Like what the fuck? Yeah, I just hormones. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, because we can we can just skip over the prom. Although I do have a prom king story. Let's go ahead and talk about this prom king story real quick. <laughs> Um, so watching Peter get prom king, it reminded me of my high school prom senior year. I went both my junior and senior year. Um, my senior year, uh, I was student body president and then the vice president, uh, Ben Clymer, he won prom king and, uh, and then Stephanie Stauber won prom queen. I think it was Stephanie. I don't know who it was, uh, but they weren't dates. So it was just the same situation as it was right, here. Right, right. But, and so, like, I remember junior prom, like, the prom king and queen danced, and it was all very normal and yada, yada. Senior year, this is just how our class was. <laughs> just our, we were, we never did things the way that we were told to do things, and the staff kind of hated us for it. <laughs> and so, with Ben, as the, he looked at Stephanie and, they both kind of like had the same look, like this is a little awkward and I'd rather go dance with my date sort of thing. And they kind of shrugged and, you know, like kind of nodded at each other. And then they both just dispersed and went to their dates and started slow dancing with their dates <laughs> instead of doing the king and queen <laughs> dance. And then like after like getting with this date for like two, three seconds, Ben literally grabbed the crown off of his head and chucked it into the fucking crowd and like chucked it at basically the rest of the prom Damn. and so the rest of the night all the like kind of burnout kids who like were who showed up to the prom drunk and like were smoking weed and like all, they're the ones who somehow ended up with the crowd and so they were taking pictures the rest of the night <laughs> of them drunkenly wearing the crowd at prom like yo what up <laughs> and I remember catching them taking pictures and I'm just thinking to myself God, I'm proud of my fucking senior class at my school. <laughs> like, fuck everyone else. This is how we do it. This is how we do things here. Fuck everyone else. Uh, <laughs> oh man, it was it was fantastic. I was always proud of of Ben for throwing the fucking crowd. That's awesome. Crowd. That's I, I'll awesome. never forget seeing that happen. And 20 minutes later, seeing the poses from all the kids <laughs> who were like like burnouts who didn't give a fuck about school or school pride, but then they're the ones fucking posing with the crowd. <laughs> I loved it. Anyway. That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. But, you know, taking pictures with the crowd and everything else like that makes Lara Jean feel, you know, distant, but it's not just because of, you know, the night it's because of ever since she decided she was going to NYU, they've known that there's this, guillotine hanging above their heads and they're strictly in the gallows and they're just waiting for the guillotine to drop 
The what? Guillotine. 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 You don't say the L's. <laughs> yeah, guillotine. No, it's French. They don't say like half the letters. The guillotine. Yeah. Uh, the guillotine. All right, there we go. Just, got it. Just it's the just guillotine. a G. It's a G sound with some sludge after it. That's all. The guillotine. All right, <laughs> fantastic. So. Um, and then, you know, and then she gives the box of memories to him, which is a really good gift, especially when you don't have much else to say writing wise, because they hadn't talked about their feelings at that time. So writing wasn't going to work because she was so blocked up with feelings. So instead, mm-hmm. she just kind of punts with this really good idea. And it's really nice, but it is a bit of a punt. Once again, kicking the can down the road. And then they kick that can until they run into a boner sized post. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then Peter Kavinsky says, I can't. I can't like this. I mean, uh, him I mean, stopping it, him stopping it is the responsible thing that you would expect him to do because he's perfect. Yes, exactly. His reaction about her choosing something is. Although it's not necessarily the most woke position, it is a valid position to feel that way. His feelings are valid, if not necessarily the most supportive at that moment. Right. Exactly. Choosing to break it off on prom night when you were literally seconds from inserting your penis into her. (laughs) That is a bit of a fuckboy maneuver. Slight fuckboy maneuver there. It's just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> see, see the the, the delivery the truck man, agrees. The he delivery knows. truck backs me up that that's a fuckboy. That is the fuckboy maneuver horn <laughs> that he was playing. That was that was a good pun. Backs you up. Yeah. That, yeah. That. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> In case <laughs> if you're wondering at home, I am doing a jerk off motion in celebration. Ladies, <laughs> ladies, he's single. I know. Surprisingly. Anyway. Um, <laughs> where the fuck were we? <laughs> we were talking about him breaking it off. Oh, yeah. Like, what the shit, dude? Come on. Like, I get why you didn't want to have sex. Like, her, like hearing, especially mm-hmm. hearing her explanation of it. Well, I want to feel closer to you. Well, okay. Yeah, Outside I of the context... Outside of the context, I could yeah. see that being okay. Like, that's not a bad thing necessarily say no, to someone. No, 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 That's a red flag as a high schooler. But yes, is a high schooler. To you, yes. I want to feel closer to you is I, like, stage five clinger in high school. Like, no, 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 no. It's, no, no, it's no, a no, red no, flag no. in any stage of life if it's in that context <laughs> where like you know you're yeah. both in the, the period of transition and like yeah things are about to change drastically and that doesn't necessarily mean you guys it just means everything else is changing and if one of you says i just want to feel closer to you that means Ooh, especially as a first time oh no, yeah no. oh my god that on top of it all that's what you want as your first time 
Are you serious? No, 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 no. Oh, my God. So, yeah, he stops it for, like, very good reasons. Yes. But then, like, whether, like, motivations or not, the fact that you guys were just about to have this pretty damn intimate, tender moment, mm-hmm. regardless, to somehow spin that into, well, we, we got to fucking break up. It's like, well, how do you, I mean, obviously there's still some hope. Jesus. Mm-hmm. And thank God we actually find out that there is, but because otherwise I would not have been able to forgive yeah. Noah Centineo. <laughs> so here's my question. Is the penalty for being a fuck? Well, actually, before we get to that, Shout out Lana Condor for the crying scene when he leaves the room. She, her face contorts in so many different ways. Oh, yeah. And like the, that crying scene was. That, that hurt. Incredible. That, that got me. I loved it because it was so unique. I had not seen a crying scene like that. I've just, I've seen, you know, you know, a bunch of tears shed. I've seen, you know, the, the whimpers and everything, but no tears or anything else like that. She literally looked like she was twitching because she didn't know how to feel. Like you could see that it was not just sadness and grief, but it was anger. It was like a mix of, I want to scream and yell, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? How can you hurt me like this? But also cry because I'm in so much pain and like all those sorts of feelings. You can see every single one of those damn feelings etched on her face and in her hands when she like is cracking her knuckles. It's like, it's a fucking, it's amazing. It's amazing. I loved it. It was incredible. hundred percent. It was and, it was really, I think it was very accurate. I mean, there's definitely been times where I have like, you know, the face palming, just sobbing my eyes out. But yeah, that's, that's usually like, that's just one or two in really super intense emotions. Whereas that kind of like breakups, breakups are a different kind. Like you feel every emotion possible and it's overwhelming and confusing and terrifying all at once. And the fact that she didn't like immediately like jump into a pillow and start sobbing, but mm-hmm. starts like wringing her hands and popping her knuckles and stuff is like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, cause you don't know what the fuck to do. You're like, it's overload. Mm-hmm. You're short circuiting. Yeah. Like the world is moving as normal. Like, but something big has just happened. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you deal with a death or any sort of trauma, it's just like, why is the, why does the world still feel like it was 20 seconds ago? But it feels completely different at the same time. How do I, how, how do you compute that? Yeah. You know? Oh God. And the, the texts afterwards, do you want me to come to the wedding? That's what I was getting to. Like, is that a, is that enough of a penalty for his, like, is that uh, an appropriate penalty for his fuck boy maneuvering? I say no. Cause like, cause his comeuppance for, for his fuck boy maneuver, breaking it off and hurting her 
is that he doesn't get to partake in the wedding. And if they do end up always and forever, now it's awkward because he wasn't at that wedding. And also, LJ kind of wanted him to show up anyway. And that's why she wrote yes initially. But then she kind of left the door open and he's like took it literally. And it's just like... The, I I personally feel like you do everything you can to show up to a wedding. And if you can't, you can't. But like you try to do everything you can to show up to a wedding. And it's just, it's that's a tough look to like have someone who was so close and a part of the family and everything else, like I, not be able to partake yeah. in the wedding festivities. I, I don't know. Especially since, yeah, like you said, he was so close. He was so a part of that journey with them. Yeah. Like, regardless of what may have just happened like come on you still gotta like it doesn't erase everything before that and it's just like you know you don't want to make the day about yourself and it's about your you know your dad and your new stepmom and blah 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 and yada yada but they're still going to be like where's peter oh we broke up it's going to end up being a little bit about you, even if everything continues to go on. Yep. Yada, yada. So it's just like, you, you know, you, you pull the, the Robin and Ted move in the end of season two. Yep. When they broke up and they it. held on to it until <laughs> after Lily and Marshall get married. Well, they have some learning to do when they go to Stanford and NYU. Yep, because they get back together and it's all okay because Noah Centineo has written a letter of sorts and he's reading over it just like in The Perfect Date. It is fantastic, lovely, and a panty dropper. So I have this idea. After our podcast, we need to open up a line of greeting cards where we just have Noah Centineo read them. <laughs> so every time you open it, you just hear him voicing over there. And yes, uh, like I feel like that would be huge. I mean, how cute is the meat cute? Seriously. That is a pretty fucking cute meat cute. Fantastic meat cute. And then the just... The way Cincinnati just, you know, pronounces his lines, just like, I'm so, so sorry for hurting you, Cubby. Just like, God damn it, Noah, I believe you. (laughs) I believe you. (laughs) Never leave me again, Noah. When he, yeah, when everything ended, when everything is falling apart, I'm sitting there just thinking, I just want you to fucking look into my eyes and tell me everything will be okay, Noah. Come on, like, please come back and tell me everything will be okay. Um, and I think this is as good a place as any to finally give my verdict for what happens after ever after. Mm. And it's very simple. We're going to keep it simple and short. We're not going to go into other characters. We're just going to keep it on the main ones. Okay. They stay together always and forever. And it's because of this goddamn speech. I don't care that all sides point to they break up by Thanksgiving break. I don't (laughs) care that high school sweethearts don't last. I know of a couple in my life like one of my best friends, Andrew Hassold, a shout out to oh, him. Yeah. He and his wife Kelly. High school sweethearts. Since, yep. 
since junior year, spring of junior year of high school. And then they spent all senior year together. And then she went to a bot. She was going to go to Oregon with Andrew. And that's where. Yeah. Didn't she go to like California somewhere? No, she went to Boston College for undergrad. Oh, my God. That's right. What the fuck? They they legitimately did the 3000 miles for all four years. And look what happened. Yeah. And then and then she got into grad school in Southern California when he got into grad school in Northern California. But he basically delayed his grad school to go live with her while she did grad school. For, and so she did her grad school. Then they moved to Northern California so he could do his grad school. And then they moved back to Portland, which now they have their two kids in a house and they live their lives. And I'm so happy for them. That's like awesome. <laughs> That's so and cool. So I've seen it work. And so therefore, I believe in you, LJ and Peter. I believe in you because it's Noah Sensenio and he would never hurt us. No, no. He's a fucking never. angel. He's a fucking angel. He's a... <laughs> so that's what happens after him after. Uh, I like it. <laughs> I needed that. And then, of course, with the contract that is now written, we get into the kiss of the film, which is the kiss they share after that contract. That was a good I... kiss. I give it a B plus. I love the setting of it. They've kissed a bunch though. So exactly. It's like no extra stuff, but the setting is nice. And what it leads to is nicer, which is them going to bone town. Oh yeah. Bone. <laughs> cause obviously like, I think what it, what it's been, cause the wedding was the night or the wedding was the day after prom. So what I think happened is that, uh, Dr. Covey and Trina were sleeping in Trina's house across the street. So there were no parents like at the house. There was just Kitty and Margo and Margo actually didn't show up until the wedding day. So on prom night, it was just Kitty in the household. So that's why like the whole that I think that's why she felt so brazen to try to bring them in to try to bang them out. She's like, I, you know, if Kitty walks in, I, I, I can probably handle that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, but then, you know, it doesn't work out, but then on the actual wedding night, you know, I'm sure Trina and Dr. Covey are just begging out all over <laughs> Trina's house. So therefore, once again, a green light, you just got Margo in there, but I don't think Margo would put any shame in her game if she saw them begging. So to get it going, I just, I just feel like we spent, you know, almost six hours with these people, with these characters, seeing their love story evolve. I just feel like as an audience, we had earned full penetration. <laughs> that we didn't get to see that is a little hurtful, but it's okay. I'll still. I, I mean, yeah, they're run. 18. It's fair game. Like, you know, <laughs> come on. I, I agree. Like, come on, man. I feel like we at least. I feel like realistically, though, well, now I stop myself because now I'm imagining it might actually be creepy. But I was going to say, realistically, we could have had like a little bit more focus on that scene. Like it doesn't have to be like visual or anything, but you could have had like be a little bit a bigger emotional deal for the two of them, you know, 
Well, I mean, technically 15 minutes of screen time before, we did have a little more focus on that scene when they were making out and almost did it the first time. So I feel like that's why they kind of of used it as an afterthought and then allowed you to kind of be in the afterglow with them. Right. That's that's true. Yeah, the focus is more on afterwards. Yeah, here's the part that was missing from the first attempt because you already saw what happened in the first attempt. Right. Yeah. Fucking Although it would have been funny Noah. to see like see like a head between legs under covers and just see and just like, <laughs> see Noah's head just like <laughs> like against the covers. <laughs> um, and then he's like and no and then and then you just hear him under the covers between the legs going, oh wah baba loo baba baba That's our song, baby. <laughs> Oh. oh, I'm surprised they didn't bring back that joke <laughs> that that oh. song came up. It's a deleted scene. Uh, it's a deleted <laughs> scene. <laughs> uh, what no, I said cut this? like five minutes ago. Stop humping her. <laughs> what grade do you give the kiss? I'd give it a B plus. Okay. Same reasons. It's a solid kiss, but like, yeah, yeah, it's six hours in, and I'm kind of over it. And then, uh, what's your verdict for this final film? Um, it's gonna be the same verdict as the first two, which is just it's I figure. It's I agree with you on this one. This one is a fuck. Uh, the first two I married. This one I fuck. Um, yeah, this is definitely on the lower tier broke, of fuck. They finally me. broke me. They finally broke me, and at the same time, I feel like watching all three of these films is still something I plan on doing around this time of year next year. Um, yeah, and, and like just going through all three of them, you know, one by one by one. But you know, if I just watch the first one and decide not to watch the next two, I don't necessarily think I'll be missing a tremendous amount. Right. Yeah, now that I've seen them, like I'm glad I've seen the story. I'm glad I was yeah. a part of it. But yes, the second and third movies were definitely sequels to something that was made as a standalone film, and it it, it shows, and that's okay. And the sequels are still good and still fuckable, and they each still have just watching them. They each have their own things to contribute to, which is which is important. Yeah. They don't try to like redo the first one. Like Chris and Trevor's relationship. Yeah, there you go. Honestly, I did enjoy their banter and I thought Trevor was funny. But other than that, you're not missing much. But then they keep the important things consistent throughout. Like how much of a fucking asshole Kitty is. (laughs) She said one thing about baseball and it was over for you. Fuck her. She's dead to me. <laughs> Why did you even watch that anyway? I swear to God. <laughs> well, you can find our socials. Uh our socials here um on Instagram. We're at Bromancing the Stone Podcast, all one word together, Bromancing the Stone Podcast. I uh, can find us on Twitter at Bro the Stone Pod. I usually light tweet movies. I forgot to light tweet this one. Of course, what everyone's probably using the hashtag. 
and we probably see these tweets and we can probably get the most. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. We get the most like eyeballs on our podcast. I straight up forgot. It is what it is. We keep it where it's at for our tens and tens of listeners. You know what it is. Uh, and then uh, my Twitter is at supermarket sweep without the E in super. So S U P R market sweep. And then on Instagram, I'm at Relusa88. That's R E L U S A 88. And then Max. On Instagram, you can find me at the Lionhearted, T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. And on Twitter, you can find me at the Lionhearted with an underscore, T H E underscore L Y O N H E A R T E D. Dope. And so now we actually have to choose a movie. And by we, I mean me, because you chose the first one of this. So. We alternate, and now it's to me. And I, I know the initial thought was to go with like an old movie to get out of the whole, you know, teenage thing and everything else. We're gonna get out of teenage movies, but I'm not gonna go as old as initially thought. Okay. It's a movie that I was reminded of uh, a few months ago. A, a, A friend of mine. Uh, she made a post about it on Instagram and then I follow the star actress on Instagram as well. And I may send pictures of her to you. Oh God damn it. It's a Selma Hayek movie. Selma Hayek and Matthew Perry star in fool's rush. It Jesus fucking Christ. We're going to watch fool's rush. It I've never even heard of that. Uh, it's a, it's a movie that my mom loved. Um, I remember seeing it with my mom in theaters and my mom owned it on VHS. I haven't seen it in since it came out in like the mid to late nineties. So I'm very intrigued to watch it now as, you know, uh, someone who would actually understand how it is. I just remember bits and pieces of it. Um, You know, it's just, yeah, I won't necessarily Huh. ruin it but the setup the setup is matthew perry i just is, i'm just now reading this synopsis of it yeah yeah so matthew perry is a an arch i think an architect in new york god, god damn it he gets yeah or something something like that uh he gets sent to las vegas to help build something and then while in vegas he has a you know a one night stand with a woman who's selma hayek um and then chaos ensues so (laughs) so we'll uh so yeah we'll we'll go from there on that so until then for the tens and tens of listeners we love y'all we thank you and to all the listeners we've loved before and still love we will love you always (laughs) and forever have a great rest of the week everyone we love you guys too. happy valentine's day happy valentine's day go eat some fucking candy (laughs) All right, bye.